Welcome to the Flipped America podcast where Filipinos explain real shit. And I am here with Rose Yu, one of my oldest, dearest friends. How are you doing, Rose? Good. Thanks for having me today. I think um, I've got like, big shoes to fill right now with Brian out of town. <laughs> yes, Brian is out of town. He is in Hawaii where he goes I think roughly between 10 and 20 times a year. (laughs) Um, I don't think he's ever seen any other part of the world from what it sounds like. Maybe the Philippines when he was younger, but right. He's always just going to Hawaii. Yeah. He's always there. And every time he's there, he drops his phone into the ocean. (laughs) Like every time. It's tradition. Yeah, it is. I guess it is. So um, how are you doing? Good. I can't believe, I feel like summer is just flying by though. I'm trying to savor every moment and it makes me so sad when I see school supplies already being sold and yeah. I, just, I feel like it's just going too fast. So just trying to savor every moment. Um, uh, oh, Lil, Amelia, my youngest, she just turned four. We finally got the puddle jumpers off of her in the pool. What? A, oh, like the, Little those are like the, those, oh yeah, floaty, nice. Devices. Oh my God, what? She's swimming? Yes. So we've been talking about, you know, getting in her into lessons, but I didn't want to pay money thinking she's just going to sit there and cry and not get in the water, not wearing her puddle jumper. So right. I thought, okay, I'm going to, we have to do it at home first. You know, I don't want her to just waste time at the, at the public pool. So I bribed her with jelly beans to take <laughs> the puddle jumper off and it worked. <laughs> And in 15 minutes after taking this pedal jumper off, she was already dunking herself underwater, holding her breath. Um, she was, I was pushing her down to dive for these little sharks that we have. Wait a second. So is this in a class or you, no, you're, you're teaching pool, her? In my pool. Yeah. It was mommy, mommy swim school. So Damn. that was, that was day one. And then day two, she started doing strokes. We got her some goggles cause we figured she needed to see underwater cause she was wearing her big sisters that were ginormous on her. So we got her her own. Yeah. So today was probably day five in the pool and she's full on doing freestyle. So holy, I know. I, I think I have my little swimmer. I was a swimmer in high school. So I'm so excited that she may be my swimmer child to join like swim team and stuff. <laughs> Maybe you're like an Olympian coach. You just didn't realize it. <laughs> so yeah, it just took some jelly beans to get that thing off and now she's a little swimmer. It's, it's, it's crazy. But, um, but she, I love it. We, we're swimming every day and she falls asleep. She takes a good nap because she's so tired. And then we swim again after dinner. She gets a good night's sleep. So, yeah. Oh man, it. that's exciting. Cause that's <laughs> like, that's definitely something that terrifies me. It's like little kids around pools. Cause you just yeah. hear, I've, I've heard some just scary stories. You know, about no, close yeah. calls. And totally. Everybody knows someone, you know, who knows someone that, you know, tragedy has happened to. So it's always exciting to hear when like a, a kid knows, learns how to swim. It's, yeah. it's like such an achievement. But it's so funny because whenever I have a party here, I always hire lifeguards anyways. I just do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good for you. For me. So we will hire um, two lifeguards 
at least two. And they're on one end of the pool. And they just because, you know, if you have friends over and you're chatting and yeah, you're assuming that maybe the spouse is watching your kids, but they're chatting too. So yeah, it's just a lot easier and peace of mind. So we, we always just hire lifeguards to come over. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> Everybody is safe in the you household. <laughs> yes, it have to be. It's because I have gone to a party where someone did drown. And really? um, thank God doctors were there and they were doing CPR. Yeah. Oh my God. It was yeah. the scariest thing. So yeah. So that's why having Amelia learn how to swim was such a high priority for the summer. Um, obviously it, it's, I'm, I'm more on alert now that that floaty is off because you know, she's, of course. It's five. like she's not like, <laughs> she's not fully, fully swimming, but she can hold her own now, which is, yeah. which is fun. But you know, it does make me more alert, but anyways, but that was the the highlight of our week. Um, Congrats! That's yeah, huge. It is huge. How about you? How was your week? Um, this week has been fine. I think I've been sad that we took the family took a road trip up north a couple oh, weeks right. ago, and you know we stopped off in Solvang. Um, we we stayed on a farm for a night, which was awesome. So did you have and, to do like farmer stuff? No, we did zero farmer things, but um, Avery got to ride a goat. <laughs> that was cool. Um, and Cedric just liked hanging out with, you know, watch, watching the rabbits and the dogs. And um, it was a really small farm. I, I think farm might be a stretch. I mean, they have a little garden and stuff and a bunch of animals. But um, and then we stayed in Cambria, which I think we're going to I think we're going to retire there. If Beautiful there. Oh my God. I love, yeah, we love that place. And it's very special to us. Uh, Monterey spent some time in Monterey and then went to uh, San Francisco um, to see some family and friends up there. I felt most comfortable in San Francisco because I, it's, it's the place where I think I've seen the most Asian guys with, white women like I saw like I saw that a lot and like in Monterey I got like this really dirty look from an a kind of like young hipster Asian woman who was married to a white guy but she was like looking at me weird like almost like what are you doing like I stepped out of line somehow and I'm like wait why can you do this and why can't I like right. it's I don't know there's brought up a lot of like questions and in my it's mind. It's so funny it, though that you're always aware of this. I'm I'm not aware of that. Yeah. I, I rarely notice it. Either, but, either is Alex. Yeah. But you yeah. always are. I'm so hyper aware of this. And I and I think too like you know, is this what a, you are? Um I, I probably because my dad identifies as white. So mm. you know, I ever since I can remember, I wanted to be like him in every way. Mm-hmm. So, and that didn't really change until I got into my thirties where I started to start to accept, wait, this is how I am. I'm not going to change who I am. Um, so just, I've just got to like deal with it. <laughs> so, but I, but I would notice then, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, we, we, you and I, we talk about the book, um, cast the, the origins of our discontents by Isabel Wilkerson, 
If you haven't read it, it is must read. It, it's a must read. Um, it, it's like, and she brings up the metaphor of it, of like the matrix, being able to see the matrix. And it really does feel like that. Right. Um, and your eyes are just you know, all of a sudden opened. Yeah. Completely, completely. And, and now my, I feel it just opened my eyes even more, you know, to kind of like the, the levels of the caste system and how it can fluctuate, you know, from different groups that are in the middle, but black Americans are consistently treated the worst and have the, you know, the greatest struggles. So, um, I, I just, I do feel hyper aware. And I, and what's crazy too, is right before I met Alex, I, I felt like I was letting go of all of that. Mm. And for some reason, I, I mean, I think just the past year, it again forced me, it compelled me to look deeper into, again, the, the divisions in, in race and how, how I see race, how people around me see race. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 But other than that, <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like a fun trip. I love how you guys took your time and just stopped. That's something that that's something that Alex brings to the relationship and to the family, definitely. Like she would she took very long road trips. And, you know, and I guess her mom would just say, Hey, you know, wherever you want to stop, we'll stop off, which is, you know, pretty cool. And we put that out there to, you know, Cedric, like, hey, if you want to stop off somewhere. He didn't really he was, I guess, enjoyed the ride a lot more than I expected him to. So we didn't do that too much. But there were a lot of great stops that we had along the way. And we stopped off at a lot of tide pools. And what was really cool was seeing, I, I felt like Cedric got really brave during oh. this trip. And Alex would go out and venture out like under these you know, and climb onto these rocky points that I would have thought twice about. She doesn't. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, she's the Viking. Where's like, I'm going, wherever I want to go, I'm going. I don't care what's in my way. And Cedric followed along, wanted to be there too. And he was constantly, he's always asking me, are you impressed? Are you impressed? And I was constantly impressed um, with him. And it was a, it was really beautiful to see particularly them bond in that way that's awesome yeah i think she inspires a lot of bravery in him and you know what i'm reading this um the is this book called nature fix um Uh just being outdoors and that that thousand hours outside challenge that i'm doing yeah 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 but i i think the more you are outdoors they're finding for kids it makes them braver it makes them problem Mm. solve it makes them use different parts of their brain. So yeah, I, I, I love that you guys did all those tide pool adventures and I just, yeah, more that he can do outside climbing trees, you know, walking on logs. That is huge. And yeah. Especially with Alex too, with all her, her bravery and, and daring. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes complete sense because, you know, I found my brain working. I was carrying Avery when I was on the, you know, in those tide pools mm-hmm. and I would have to like really think about where I'm stepping Exactly. You know, and then you're also on the look for things like sea anemones and 
and crabs. We saw a bunch of crabs everywhere, which was crazy and awesome to see them just like kind of all scatter away. And, um, and, and there was a moment in Cambria too. And I, and I, there was a bunch of moments, but there was a moment in Cambria where, you know, I, I told her, I just, I saw Cedric kind of forging his own path where there's these wooden paths along the beach um, or over the cliffs. And he, he liked going off the wooden path and kind of finding his own path alongside and wandering off into the, the brush. But, you know, I had Avery on me. I was holding Alex's hand. I'm watching Cedric. And I just was like, I just told her, I am so happy right now. Like, I don't think I've ever been more happy than this moment. And there was a, there was a picture of us in Carmel, which was fascinating too, because when my experience with Carmel was always in the village there, that's where my dad liked to hang out. And then there's a beach down the village and it's all all very pleasant. Alex pointed out that there's this amazing like kind of nat- natural reserve right next door pretty much called Point Lobos mm. and that's where I saw Cedric really shine as a tide pool explorer and as a climber and where I found myself having to just let him go and let mm. him explore and there was this experience I had sitting on the beach where I I think the last time I really, I know I've been to Carmel since, but the last really strong memory I have of being on the beach in Carmel was after my high school girlfriend and I broke up and I was listening to this Led Zeppelin song um, called your time is going to come. And it's like all about revenge. Like you just watch, like your time's going to come. And I'm like thinking in the future, like, yeah, one day, you know, I'm going to be rich And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have sports cars and I'm going to live in a mansion. And obviously none of those things came true. But, you know, like I might in terms of like all the things like the love in my life and all the joy that I have from the people in my life. I have never been so happy. It's it's beyond what I expected. Right. To have. That is the jackpot. That's that's priceless, right there. It is, it is. Worth and so much more than a mansion and you know sports car. It's we're when when we put like all the value on things, then you're only as big as those things, right? But if it's internal and that feeling of joy and the capacity of joy, like that's infinite. It's totally. infinite. That can't and be taken away. It can't be. And I, I was like, I remember just being so happy. And I remember thinking too, like, you know, I hope my high school girlfriend is doing well. <laughs> like, uh, which I, I didn't think I would be thinking that like in the future when I was, you know, on the beach in high school. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't, that was the last thing I thought that I would be thinking. But, and I think, she, I, I, I think she's married and has two kids and she's doing amazing things in her life. And, but I, I'm just, I'm just, it was just so filled with joy and like, kind of like the, the cap to it was I opened up my phone and, you know, like an app on Apple, like they, they'll on the iPhone, they'll just put up like this video of, of a day 
And mm-hmm. so I played it. And if I had the ability to cry tears of joy, I would have, but I showed it to everybody and I showed it to Cedric and he cried. He oh. cried. I said to him, I said to him, you know, I think this might be the hap. That was like maybe the happiest day of my life. Oh my and he goes, and he, and, and he like hugged me and he kissed me on the cheek and he goes, it was the happiest day of my life. Oh my goodness. And, oh. and, and then Alex gave me this look like, what? That's the happiest day of your life? <laughs> like, uh, what about the birth of your daughter and our marriage? I'm like, no, if you think about it though, I had all those things. Right. You know, like it was all there. And I, and it was from the perspective of also how far I've come and Mm -hmm. all that I appreciate. So, and she's like, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to send me this clip. I want to see that little video that they, I will have to send it for you. I, I I absolutely will. It was, um, and, and also it scared me. It scared me that this AI could put together something that made our family come together in this way. <laughs> um, but whatever, like I, I'm, I, I guess I just got to have faith in that. We're not going to be um, overruled by the, uh, by the robots. <laughs> but, you know, when I, when I knew that Brian wasn't going to be able to, you know, make this episode, obviously you're the first person that um, I thought about. And there's an, it's an open door policy to you, <laughs> for you. So, you know, I put out there, you know, like, what are, what's, is there anything on your mind that you want to talk about that's, you know, either, you know, weighing on you or sparking something in you? And, you know, I, you had something interesting that was on your mind that just made me go, yep, that's it. That's what we're talking mm-hmm. about. So do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So ever since you guys started this whole Flipped America podcast, from day one, I've been thinking about it, that, you know, there's a point in, there was a time in my life where I didn't feel Filipino enough, Hmm. you know? So even when you asked me to join this, I was like, am I, am I qualified? Am I Filipino enough to do this podcast? Um, So yeah, I just, that was, that's been weighing on my head. So that's what I brought up to you. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know where this feeling came from. I don't know if I felt that at the moment as a kid or if it's, yeah. I'm realizing it now as an adult, you know what I mean? So you're not even aware if you actually felt that way when you were younger. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess definitely not. I didn't feel that when I was younger, but I think what I was trying so hard to do is just try to fit in. So Right. Little background, I grew up in a predominantly like or non-Asian um, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. The school I went to, there were two Filipinos in my class, me and another girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the majority was white, a lot, a lot of whites, some Latino because it was a Catholic school. Uh-huh. Um, but I was just trying to fit in so much, I think, that I almost not shunned, but put my Filipino-ness, you know, under the rug. Yeah. So I can just fit in. Um, and one example I brought up to you was, you know, I, my younger, you know, my 
younger brother was at the same school and he would call across from the playground, Ate, which means older sister, a sign of respect to your siblings. And um, I remember being embarrassed because everyone's like, what does that mean? You know, and what, what, Ate, what, you know, and I'm like, oh, they're all going to start calling me that. And so I told him, like, don't call me that at school. Wow. Yeah. And then I realized, like, growing up, like, he never called me that again. He's, yeah, he got the message loud and clear. Yeah, and so that makes me sad because I love that part of the culture. I love that that sign yeah. of respect of the ate and kuya um, terminology. And I, as I don't know how old was I, fourth grade. I was like, nope, don't don't call me that on at school. And it just stopped. Like they they stopped calling me that. <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of heartbreaking. Did you guys grow up? calling each other? I don't think no. I ever heard your siblings calling you Kuya or... Nope. Yeah. Nope. In fact, I knew I would never be Filipino enough. Mm. And it's even interesting thinking about just even the conversation we, we we're having because, you know, I've listened to other podcasts, you know, being done by our Filipino brothers and sisters. Right. And it, it is a very different vibe, you know, in the sense that they do seem so comfortable with the Filipino language and I am not at all, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I really do believe that my mom made a concerted effort and made a decision to not a like to not get us to not introduce all of that to us so that we could eat more easily assimilate. Right. Um, or, you know, I mean, just, I, I don't even know if it's assimilation because we're Americans, but um, that we could just blend in right, right. Um, as best as possible. I'm trying to think if it was like a purposeful thing that my parents did too. Um, it, they, they didn't, they spoke English mainly in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Did you know any Tagalog or any other dialect? I can understand it. Uh-huh. Like if someone's gossiping about me, I I know. Like I can, oh wow! If they're doing like some you know chismis, I my ears are open. <laughs> I'm listening. Uh-huh. Um, but I can't speak it. I I try. I sound. It's, yeah, it's horrible. But um, I just I think I just need to go to the Philippines. I my cousins went for a summer, and they came back speaking it. Really, like, it's just because they were surrounded by it constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing is, my parents also speak different. They spoke different dialects. Mm-hmm. So that you know, and obviously your parents, they couldn't communicate, you know, in Tagalog. So yeah, they yeah. wouldn't even do that. So. Yeah, you know. I mean, in my household, um, my parents' household, my, from what I understand, like my mom, because my mom did not cook a lot of Filipino food. <gasps> Interesting. I was going to ask you that because yeah. I'm, I'm going through this Filipino cookbook right now. Oh, um, nice. Just trying to even like teach my kids to, to teach, to, to learn how to cook different dishes. But yeah, I was, I was curious. How often did you eat Filipino food in your house? Not very often. In fact, what I feel like what happened a lot was my mom would make Filipino food for herself. Like there were a few things that she made. Like, I think she made chicken adobo sometimes. She made pancet for, like, holidays, birthdays. Hmm. Um, and 
but really, I mean, it was our family parties, you know, right. where all of our families got together that I really, that's where I got to have really indulge in Filipino food. But I remember talking to my grandma, my, my dad's mom, mm-hmm. and she remembers teaching um, my mom a lot of what she made. So like things like enchiladas, um, what else? Like uh, spaghetti, Mm-hmm. things that my dad liked and so and and you know I would love to have the conversation with my mom like was that something that did she ask my grandma to teach her or did my grandma just say hey this is what you know this is what Louie likes mm-hmm. but that it was mainly what would be considered I mean in this weird way how American cuisine kind of just has adopted like you know their own variations of cuisine around the world it's kind of what we got it was kind of like this mishmash of a bunch of different things interesting and so when it comes to food that's where I felt most Filipino like that's where I felt Mm. so connected because we ate Filipino food every day yeah and I got zero connection to that yeah interesting or very very little huh it was almost like Honestly, those parties that we had as kids mm-hmm. that our parents threw for us, that was my only lifeline. So does, now I'm going on a tangent, but did you, does your mom have any family here? She, yeah. I mean, she has, you know, her sister really close by. Um, her brother, her younger brother grew up, um, I mean, not grew up, but was in the Navy and in San Diego for a long time. And um, I think there's, this is terrible. I should know if my uncle and aunt, you know, my auntie are still down there, but, um, and then our cousins, we have cousins that moved to Colorado, but yeah, I mean, the the majority of her family, I think is still in the Philippines. I know she, her older brother is there. So the ones that were here, did you, did they call you Kuya Ate or did you know them? No. No. Mm -mm. Are they full Filipino? Yeah, full Filipino. Well, I mean, my cousins were born. I think they were all born here. Yeah, Yeah. they were all born here. Um, But God, God, it's so weird because like I, I would even, even to this day, I keep forgetting they're my cousins. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I think, you know, my sister is a lot better at staying in touch with them. And I, I think there is a lot of guilt on my part because I do feel like in many ways I've, I have just pushed away that side of me. I I think I spent like my teenage years, I think childhood, my through, through my early thirties, I pushed away that side of me. Hmm. And that's what makes me also feel the most Filipino too, is just that concept of family and extended family and all the cousins and your uh, cousins, cousins, you know, the third cousins, fourth cousins. I know. I know. But, you know, and I, I had, the, when I went to the Philippines, there was this moment where my uncle, you know, my, my mom's brother took me on this walk just through these, through the rice paddies to all these surrounding homes and they mm-hmm. were all family. And yeah. he would just hand out $20 bills to him. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, um, I mean, I don't, there's probably a reference not a few people will get, but 
um, Michael Corleone and The Godfather going back to Italy. I remember mm-hmm. feeling very much like that. Like I remember thinking, I got to go visit the, I got to go visit Italy to feel what Michael Corleone felt. And they're like, no, that actually, by me coming back to the Philippines, this is my Michael Corleone moment of getting to know mm. where my mom came from, where my grandparents came from, where I come from, and I. I really had zero connection to the Philippines until I went on that trip. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I've never felt Filipino enough. And I think also too, because I've strived so, I strived so hard to be white. So yeah. I wasn't, it wasn't even on something on my radar to, to be. And I feel like I would have been so much more happy if I just, like hung, I, my greatest regret is that I didn't hang out with Brian and Chris more because I felt like they were a little bit more entrenched in that, you know, kind of hanging out with yeah. fellow Filipinos. Right, right. I could be wrong, though. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think they did. And same thing with like, yeah, Kat and even my cousins, like all of them hung out with Filipinos. And I went to, a, you know, not like not very many Filipinos, not, no, no Asians. And so I was surrounded by white kids. Um, And then in high school, um, there was a lot more Filipinos, Uh but I just felt more comfortable with my white friends. Right. Wow. And um, I even tried hanging out with the Filipinos. Like they all, they all came from different schools and they all, they found each other, like, and formed this huge Filipino group. Right. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I think I might have been the only Filipino that was not in this crew. And I just, I felt like they never did anything to make me feel like I was on the outside ever. But I felt like I was on the outside. And when right. I did try to hang out with them, um, yeah, I just felt like a fraud. Like I just, I did not fit in at all. I just felt completely like, am I even Filipino? Like I feel so out of place right now. God, like I don't want that's so interesting. You know, you, you I, I feel like I'm, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, but like I have I mean, I'm fifty percent Filipino. Like my mom, we did the twenty-three and me, and she's mm-hmm. like a hundred percent. Right. And so more than anything, I'm Filipino. And yet like so this is a time in my life where I am proudly embracing that side of me. But there is also this part of me. Like, you know, like I, this is the time when I'm questioning the most, like, am I Filipino enough to have a Filipino American podcast? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the question that goes through my mind, you know, like, am, am I Filipino enough to be embracing the Filipino side of me, you know, but what else do I do? Do I embrace the white side of me, you know, which no one even sees, So that's in this weird way. Like, I feel like I'm just been, I've been going backwards Hmm. when it comes to my connection to, you know, the Filipino side of me, Hmm. you know, and I, and I, I, in this weird way, like, I feel like I'm in, in, you know, grade school again, wanting to hang out with the Filipinos and, I'm projecting on them that they don't want to hang out with me, mm. you know? So it's like, well, the, you know, the, the few Filipino friends that I have that 
you know, that kind of have to stick with me, I'm going to hold on to them <laughs> really <laughs> tightly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why do you, so, you know, going into the why of, do you think, you know, there are some even deeper reasons besides just say, you know, our parents' choices and how they brought us up or I don't know. What so do you think? Another thought just came into my head. I remember I'm trying to think. So my, I remember my grandma packed me like adobo and rice for lunch mm-hmm. at school. And I remember opening it up and being so excited because yeah. I love adobo and yeah. like, yes, I get to have this at lunch. And I remember the people around me were like, ew, what is that? It stinks, right? Uh, and um, just being embarrassed. Like, as a, I don't know, third grader, like, I'm never bringing Filipino food to school ever again. And um, I just remember how I felt, how embarrassed I felt. And then I made my grandma make me, like, sandwiches from now on. Yeah. And Or I ordered hot lunch. Um, yeah. And then I, that feeling must have still stayed with me because, you know, my roommates in college – we would cook and I never cooked Filipino food for them. Like what a mm. lost opportunity. Like I could have exposed them to this delicious cuisine. And they, now I think about it, they go to parties and love the lumpia and the right, right. Um, But I was just, I think so traumatized by that moment um, yeah. where, you know, they had never even tried it. And so, yeah. I Were your roommates white or... Other um, ethnicities? Yeah, one was white, and then the other one's half half Hungarian, half Mexican, but she basically grew up white. Um, but yeah, I... I feel like that's, you know, that's an experience that connects a lot of Asian Americans. You know, no matter... I hear that, you know, from like Chinese friends and Korean friends and Japanese friends, and, you know, I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever had that experience because I just had like bologna sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's just what we, what we ate. Right. Uh, th- that was just the easiest thing. Like I got excited when um, it was Girl Scout cookie season and I would just take whole sleeves of thin mints. <laughs> so that was, but I, there was this part of me though that, you know, I would see other people because it's a weird thing. Like I, I think deep down, I would see what other people were eating. I was eating this very basic um, lunch and, you know, people would be popping out like, you know, they'd be popping out the, the silverware and the, the Tupperware and be like, man, they're like feasting over there. What's going on over there? Uh, but I, I did not have that experience. So, but I, I do hear like it's, it does seem like a traumatizing thing. And I, and I, I think it, it makes sense too, because it, it's a primal thing. It's like, you don't want to get kicked out of, um, you don't want to get kicked out of the tribe and, and maybe something like that's so core to who we are is what we eat and it connects so many people. So then my kids ended up going to, uh, their elementary school was predominantly Asian. Hmm. Yeah. So they were completely, they loved eating Filipino food or leftover Chinese. My husband's Chinese, leftover Chinese food that yeah. I would put like in a thermos and they'd have like a warm meal. 
Right. Yeah. And it, so the right at home. Yeah. Didn't think anything of it because they were surrounded by it. So, yeah. Although now that their school is, you know, there's more Asians than there was from me growing up. Um, but yeah, I'll still send them with, with fried rice or something like that. And all their friends are like, lucky you get fried rice, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, so I'm just, and it's, I'm trying to think, I don't think I ever told my, my mom that I was embarrassed by it. I, I, Interesting. I don't know if I ever said, I think I just like, oh, I prefer a sandwich. I don't think I ever said they made fun of me or I don't think they really made fun of me, but I was just so embarrassed by it. But I don't think I ever verbalized that to my family. Yeah. I don't even think Would I've ever have... verbalized it to anybody ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you characterize, you know, you, you keep saying embarrassment, but would you characterize it and go for, so far as to call it shame? Yeah, kind of. And it even brings back, oh my gosh, this brings back another um, experience. Rui and I, we weren't married yet. We were engaged, I think, and we were at a um, Asia de Cuba. I think that's what the restaurant mm. was. It's like the fusion Asian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I ordered like a whole fried fish. You know, and like in my household, we ate that often, the tilapia, yeah. right? Yeah. And I ordered that and um, I was so excited to dig in. And it was just like a whole fried fish, you know, eyes, fins, yeah. everything. And there was a table next to us. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's a whole fish. That's so disgusting. <laughs> and I was already in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, if, like it just all these memories from childhood came back to me. I could not, I couldn't eat it. I couldn't finish my food. I lost my appetite. Uh, I was crying. I, I no, remember the whole drive no. home, the whole drive home. I was crying. Just that feeling of, I, yeah, I just, I'm like, the, they served it. And I, um, yeah, just the fact that they were looking down on me for yeah. not eating a, you know, a cut filet, you know, just perfectly cut. I don't know. But the fact that it was a full faced fish, um, yeah, that I, it was so. I, I remember being so embarrassed. And Rue's like, "Why are you? Who cares? Just eat it." And I was like, "No, I can't eat it anymore." And I just lost my appetite. I remember. I remember going to the bathroom and just crying my eyes out. Yeah, and then the whole drive home crying. You know what? That that story is triggering for me. Like uh, triggering to the point where. If I had a time machine, mm-hmm. my whole focus would be for all of us to go to that restaurant, <laughs> sit next to that, sit next to that couple at that table, and proudly eat that fish. And I think I think the reason why it's triggering for me is because my it was a point of contention in our house hmm. that fried fish. Really, like, it was. So my mom loved it. And she pretty much just ate it herself. And I think I would eat, I think I would eat parts of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't, I mean, I liked it, but, but I, for, it seemed like it was kind of like the one thing that my mom indulged in from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was the one thing that might've just let her, but it, it felt like home for her. Yeah. Did she eat it with her hands too? I think she did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it is the best way. Some vinegar and... Mm. Oh, I don't even know about the vinegar part. <laughs> like, my mom didn't share this shit with me. Like, uh, but anyways, but but when my dad was home, 
And if there was any remnant of it, right. he would get upset. Mm. Like, dear, that smell. Yeah. And my mom would never really respond, but it makes me, to think about it now, it makes me sad. Mm. It makes me really sad because she came from like another country. She's given up pretty much everything about her. You know, talking about like identity, um, she her life completely changed, and she has been nothing but. She really devoted her life to him, you know, and to raising us. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like she has this one little piece of like home, right? And he's like, "Nah, mm-hmm. you really shouldn't be having that either." But I feel like she held on to that, like, yeah. Um, I, she never really talked back to him about that, but I, I have to imagine that they can't feel good. Like it, right. it's just sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. This is bringing up too many memories, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the thing is too, like, I, I, I feel sad that I didn't stick up more for her. And I think there's plenty of times too, where I would, I would watch her eating the eyeballs Mm -hmm. and be like, dude, that is so gross, mom. Mm -hmm. And I knew that was the best part for her. I still haven't tried it. (laughs) I'm, I do. Okay. Next time we get together, I'm bringing some eyeballs. Okay. Bring on the (laughs) eyeballs. I, you know, maybe this could be something that my mom and I could bond over, you know, later in life. Um, Cause I do hear, you know, it's the tastiest part and, and I, I, th- I think it is one of those things, though, where I look back now and I'm actually glad that she didn't just give it up, you know, I, that I could still find her having these moments where she has this little piece of piece of home. Yeah, totally home. Even now so, when I pick up a fried fish, it's totally um, sitting at the at the dinner table with my grandma, mm, you know, my with my Lola. Yeah, and just, yeah you know, pulling up your sleeves and getting dirty and, and eating with our hand. It just tastes better that way. That's the old, and I, it helps me find the, the, um, the bones too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, totally. I don't know how you do that. I've, I've tried that with a knife and fork and I'm like, right. I feel like I'm in surgery for eight hours. Exactly. So that's why I use my hands when I eat that fried fish is just cause I'm God, make sure I don't eat the, the pinic, you know, the bones. So totally. But yeah, um, I, yeah what t- we went on a tangent. <laughs> I don't even know where we, yeah. So do you feel like as you, you know, you, as someone with a family, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like you are introducing your family to Filipino culture that, you know, now that you're really embracing it, um, it, it seems like you don't have, you know, whatever that shame you had as a kid, um, that that doesn't exist anymore. Do you feel like you have to make up for either what you missed out on as a kid or, you know, I don't for think that I time? Really, I don't think I really missed out on it. Um, uh-huh. Like when I say like around my friends, I felt like I was a different person, you know, like, mm. but then at the same time when I was with the Filipinos, I didn't feel like I fit in. But I don't know. I don't. You guys, you had mentioned this a few times that you felt most yourself and at home with our family friend group. Totally. And so did I, I think, um, 
you know, we were all sons and daughters of immigrants and we just yeah. all, you know, had the same, um, similar experiences. And yeah, I just felt so much, so at home. Um, but with my kids, so I just, I don't want them, to, so I don't speak the language and I'm so embarrassed by that, that I can't pass that down to my kids. Um, and my husband, he was born in Shanghai, but he grew up in Iowa. Like he moved to the United States when he was five. And, wow. you know, I say that there was two Filipinos in my class. There was like three Asian kids in his entire school, in his entire town. Oh, um, dang, yeah. And the other two, the other two Asians were adopted by white families. So that's, <sighs> so he grew up in a very white, you know, meat and potatoes. Um, yeah. And so I think we're both trying to make sure that our kids don't lose our heritage. We want to make sure that, um, you know, those traditions are still alive um, with them because we both, he doesn't, well, he kind of speaks it, but there's no one to practice with. He can't, he don't speak it at the house, right? Uh Um, His mom um, comes and visits. Um, Thank God she lives nearby. So she comes every couple weeks and... Um, but yeah, they don't really speak, speak Chinese around each other too much either. So yeah, I think we're just trying so hard to make sure that we don't lose that identity of our, that Filipino-ness and the Chinese-ness, um, that our kids have. How has that been going so far? Good. I mean, so I was starting to, um, I don't know if it was during, during the pandemic, maybe even during like the um, the protests, right, last year yeah. too. Just I was doing a lot of reading, a lot of learning, a lot of unlearning, and just delving deep into my own um, my own race, you know, and mm-hmm. things that I've been feeling. And you know, we had read that book, Cast, also, and so yep. things were coming up. And I'm looking at my kids, my my daughter's dolls, and they're all like blonde hair, blue eyed dolls. They all have, you know, they're all, um, or Cinderella Prince, Cinderella princess and sleeping beauty. And, um, the one from Rapunzel, right? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, we have all, all of our dolls here are white. Right. Yeah. And so I immediately bought, like I brought a, a, a black doll. I bought like an Asian doll. And so I was like, we need, they need to have that in the house. That's awesome. And then I looked at our bookshelf. Same thing. I'm like, where are the Asian characters? Where are the, you know, people of color, anything like Native Americans? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I joined this, I forgot what this website was, um, but it is about diver, book, diverse books. And so I, I bought a ton of books. Um, and then now that the libraries are open, I'm so excited, but, you know, we're, we're also borrowing books. And so I'm just trying to infuse that into the house. Because I think me growing up, that's all I had. I only had white Cabbage Patch dolls, yep. blonde hair, blue eyed. Um, you open up, I'm thinking of all the magazines I opened, you know, um, Teen Magazine, uh, 17, you know, all like white models, blonde hair, blue eyes. And, um, and, the, and the books and the stories I read were all Caucasian characters. Yeah. And so um, I just want something different for my kids. I want them to be exposed to to a lot more. And so if that means and me making more of an effort because, you know, it's not easily accessible, then, yeah, I have to do that. 
So in the end, that's what all of this, uh, I guess, identity crisis has led to, was making sure my kids don't experience the same. Damn. Yeah, you're you're way ahead of the curve on, than me. Um, I think we have we have two books that are all. It's like these children's books about you know speaking. It's all about the Philippines. One's I think are actually called all about the Philippines, and um, and then the other one is kind of a word book from the same author and and artist and and it's actually one of Cedric's those two of Cedric's favorite books. And he brought those two books, his choice, um, on the road trip with us. But God, it's, it's weird because I, I just, I feel like I, like hearing you talk about it, like I realize I have not been pushing it really at all, which is like, I've just gotten, I'm in the same trap. Like I'm, I, 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 it's weird because like, I, I don't even know what to do about it. And, and I remember asking my mom for a while she was watching, you know, she, and my dad were watching Cedric two days a week mm-hmm. and I would tell her constantly, Hey, you know, like, t- you know, teach Cedric Tagalog. And she would just kind of give like this dismissive smirk, like, mm-hmm. no, no, mm-hmm. And I would ask her, sometimes I'd be like, mom, I just, why, why aren't you like, I, I actually, I want you to do it. Now is the perfect age to teach him. Mm-hmm. And she would never answer me. Mm. She would never answer me. And maybe because she doesn't even really know why she's so opposed to it. Mm. I gotta, yeah, I gotta ask her. I wonder. <laughs> I, I, this is bringing up all these questions yeah. I have for her. <laughs> Maybe she needs some tools. Like I'm thinking, I want I, I've never really asked my mom either to, you know, teach the kids Tagalog or, um, but I feel like I, I just need to help her and give her some tools. So whether it's a workbook or flashcards, you know what I mean, that the kids can bring over when they visit Lola, uh-huh. to go over. Because I just I I've been wanting. So, I don't know if I told you this story when I was a couple weeks ago when I was out in your neighborhood. Um. A, a, a non-Asian kid came up to Amelia and said, um, do you speak Chinese? Did I tell you this? No. <laughs> and um, Amelia is like, um, I can't, I, she started counting like one through 10. That's uh-huh. all she knows. Uh-huh. And then the boy started speaking like in Chinese, like, cause like just, just speaking yeah, in yeah, sentences. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. understand. And I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, my kid is half Chinese and can only count to 10. This kid is not Chinese at all, and he's full on conversing. He's trying to talk, and so I went up to his dad and I'm like, "I'm really impressed that your son um, speaks Chinese." And I'm so embarrassed because my daughter is half Chinese and can't speak it. Um, and she's like, "Oh no, he goes to a Chinese school," which I think Cedric does too, right? He does. Cedric yeah. speaks Mandarin pretty well. Yeah, yeah. and so she's like, he, "He's always looking for people to practice with." So they're at the park, and he's, oh. he's, he's like a Chinese kid. He's like, "I'm going to talk to them." So he just wants to practice speaking. And I was like, that's awesome. And so <laughs> right then and there, I was like, Amazon, I need to find some Chinese <laughs> books for my own kid. Um, yeah. So yeah, I bought a few and I told my mother-in-law whenever she comes to visit to kind of go over 
you know, some new words, whether it's colors and animals and um, just so they don't lose that part of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. yeah that's and then, awesome. And then hopefully Amelia can speak to Cedric <laughs> in Mandarin. <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> that would be dope. I, Cedric's up to three languages right now that, um, and I, I would love for him to speak Tagalog. I really would. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, in this weird way, like I feel by him getting those books, like I, out of all the books that he had to choose from, those were the two books he chose. Mm -hmm. I do feel like there's this side of him that maybe is subconsciously asking, Hey, you know, I, maybe in the same way that, you know, I wanted to connect with my dad by being more white. Like, I think maybe he's subconsciously embracing the Filipino side of him, you know, to, so that he could connect more with me yeah. as a way. Like it's, it's, an, it's something that I never even thought about before. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, and it's a journey you guys can go to, on it together. You can learn right. together. Right. I love that. I love that. You can learn, learn the language together. I guess that's where we go from here. You know, it's like, I, I feel like I wish I had more to teach him. Like I, all I really have to teach him about is just the two weeks that I remember Mm-hmm. in the Philippines when I was 21 years old yeah. and which was, which completely changed my life and gave me a level of appreciation that I, I never thought possible. Love it. And I can't wait to hear that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure that you and Brian are on that podcast together. Because I, I, I think we all have back. our stories. Yeah, I haven't been back since I was 12, though. Yeah. And I definitely, I want to take the whole family. And we still have a lot of family there, too. And, um, yeah, I just, and thank God for Facebook, because I feel like that that allows us to, to still feel connected with the family overseas. Um, How often do you connect with them on Facebook? Um, I mean, just like, well, message and comment but my mom uh-huh. message like they do um their little face or whatever not facebook messenger yeah yeah calls. and then if if i happen to be at my mom's house i'll jump in and and say hi to everybody you know there's this so alex is, really wants us to go to and i want to go mm-hmm. and my connection you know to the philippines is so loose that like I'm afraid to go Hmm. and it's weird because like it is it was probably the most pivotal trip I've ever taken in my life and yet I'm afraid and so like Brian and I have have talked about going together oh that'd be fun right but you know what when it comes down to it though like family's family like yeah Filipino family is family no matter how long you've talked to them I mean you'll be welcomed with open arms immediately. I, I, I realize like that's the, the, it's the, the American side of me um, that is afraid Mm -hmm. because, you know, I had that same experience when I was 21. I, I hadn't seen my Lolo and my Lola 
for, I want to say like, I hadn't seen him for like 11 years, which was half my life at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think they would remember me. I didn't think we would have anything to talk about. And it's true. We didn't really talk a lot, but we didn't need to talk. Mm-hmm. Like it was so powerful just being there. And I remember getting out of the van that didn't have air conditioning after driving for five hours after a 12 hour flight Yes, in traffic in traffic. Right. And I just remember, Oh, my Lola grabbing my face and kissing my face Mm -hmm. and the tears in her eyes. And I remember all that fear that I had, it was just like washed away in a second, right? a second. And it's, it's hard to explain that feeling when, especially when we really didn't talk much, you know, but it was just also too, like the difference of seeing them in their element at home, as opposed to them being in a foreign country, mm-hmm. you know, being, taking care of us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like we're, we're going to have to, I think, I think we were going to end up I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up discovering some things about myself that just from talking with you guys about it. But, you know, I, I think I am happy that at least I got to a point in my life at some time in my life where I don't have that, that shame, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I think now I'm at a point too, where if anyone feels like, cause I, I always had this fear of being a fraud, but if anyone you know, says, well, you're not a real Filipino, then that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Like, that, I don't care anymore. Right. I don't care anymore. It's, yeah, if, if I were to experience someone, if I was eating that fried fish, right? And if someone yeah. would be like, yo, that's disgusting. I'm at this point now, I'd be like, you're missing out, dude. Like, this is delicious. Right. You're missing out. Right. Like, you're lost. <laughs> right. And like, how ignorant right. are you? So, yeah, definitely. I've grown and I, I think we've grown. I think we have. I think we have. So I can't wait to order fried fish at my next restaurant. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's stink up some restaurants. <laughs> Let's stink them up. I want to stink up. I want to stink up my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to, I want, I really want to cook Filipino food for my non-Filipino friends. Like I want to show yeah. them really like, this is who I am. This is what I grew up with. And, I hope you, you know, I think you guys can appreciate it. So I think maybe count Alex in there. Yeah. She's, she's been talking about, you know, it's funny because I feel like she's actually connecting me to my Filipino side in the ways I haven't thought about like Hmm. food, like going there, traveling there. Mm -hmm. Um, has Alex eaten Filipino food? Have you exposed her to any? Oh, she has, yeah. And she, I think she likes it more than I do. Mm-hmm. She likes more things than I do. Mm-hmm. So my mom is always like piling her with, <laughs> with food to take home. You know, like, and she never did that really with me, with Filipino food. Mm-hmm. But she does that with Alex. So she knows she likes which is, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although some things, Alex doesn't like everything. So I'm trying to find a way to have that conversation with my mom. Like, Alex isn't like everything, though. So you don't don't give her everything. <laughs> That's a communication um, 
that's a communication um, situation on our part. But, but it's um, also, I think, as a sign of love when they're giving you food. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And, you know, and that's something that I wish I knew when I was younger, because mm. that is clearly my mom's love language. Yes. And she and that's one thing she always made sure we were fed. Um, did and, your mom and Lola's, did they cut fruit for you, like peel it and cut it? Not really. No. Because I recently did do that read for it. You? Yes. And that is uh-huh. definitely like a language of love. Like I read an article about it and that's, and how that's how they showed their love. And so yeah. it made me think about, wow, every time I came home from school and there was, you know, a bowl of, um, you know, cut watermelon or whatever food it was, uh, washed grapes, yeah. um, strawberries, no, with, yeah, with, yeah, 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 the stems off. I mean, that every right. day you came home and that was there. And um, that was definitely, this article was so cute because it was, I need to find it and send it to you. But it was just how that is um, even, and it wasn't specific to Filipinos, but Asians in general um, was just, uh, that's, that is a love language. Cut fruit. You know, I, I'm realizing I didn't eat very much fruit when I was younger. <laughs> Nicole was, my sister was the one that ate all the fruit. So maybe she got to <laughs> she experience that love yeah. language, but yeah, much more than I did. But the one thing that, like, the worst thing that my mom makes, hands down, at least with me, are salads. And it's because, like, she'll cut a tomato twice. So you get these giant tomato chunks. You get, she throws an onion in there. Mm, yeah. And red she onion. just kind of like, yeah, I think they are red onions that she throws in there. But she'll, like, cut it a few times. And then, like, so you get these giant onion pieces so like I everything she makes like I feel like oh yeah she she loves us she loves us but when she makes a salad I'm like yeah, I don't think she loves us that much <laughs> that's what makes me question her love you know salads aren't really a big Filipino food so yeah it isn't I mean even right vegetables I mean I mean there's some vegetables but I'm trying to eat healthier and I'm finding uh. it hard to eat a Filipino diet and you can't. Healthy. Yeah. I don't think you can. Like we've cut out rice, which is, I feel like my Filipino card is going to be taken away from me, but uh, I make it for the kids. Rue and I have been eating like cauliflower rice. So yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I got my um, cholesterol results a month ago and I have to cut out rice. Yeah. And Alex has been doing pretty good giving me alternatives, but man, it's that who we one are. part of me, yeah. oh, it's so who we are. Like I can eat rice with anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's a tragedy, but I I there I, I am trying trying to find a way to uh, yeah I don't know I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do I I think I'm 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 at a loss because it it is one of those few things that does connect me and it's it's a comfort food for me like it's I remember. Cool when I would stay up late at night, like that's, and, and I was at home and working on some school project, my mom would wake up and she wouldn't say much to me oftentimes, but she would cook me fried eggs and serve it with white rice. And so that's, you did, 
So you didn't have like all the Filipino foods, but you definitely had rice. Definitely had rice was always around, always around. So that's, yeah, that's like my one connection. <laughs> that's my one connection right there. And I'm, you know, my doctor's saying, yeah, you got to cut that out. And pop quiz, so, what is rice in Tagalog? I have no idea. Kanin. It's not autos, is it? Kanin. Would it? Kanin. Kanin. Damn. Okay. Well. <laughs> And I feel like I'm completely fucking up that word too. <laughs> the only word I knew was kamates. Oh. Is that tomatoes? Yes. Because I would hear my mom say that a lot. And, and you know what's weird too? That was the one vegetable I really kind of hated. <laughs> <laughs> my and whole I wonder life, if it was... I, oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, I was thinking... I, I, I always thought, do you know anghang? You know what that means? No. It means spicy. Like it's okay. anghang, like food. I thought anghang was an English word. I didn't know yeah. the word for like hot, spicy. And I remember just, I would always just say things were anghang. And no one really cor- corrected me all through like grade school until I probably like seven. All your grade. white friends were yeah. like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, so I just, I just assumed everyone, you know, it's, it's an English word. Yeah. It wasn't until like seventh grade, I think, where I realized that anghang was not an English word. It was <laughs> Tagalog. So where do we go from here? You think with, in terms of us feeling like frauds and yeah. making up for that time, what's next for us? What do we do? What well, do we I, do about it? Yeah. I think we do better by our kids. I mean, and I don't, right. I don't want to say that my parents didn't do right by us. I, I don't, I mean, disclaimer, I'm not saying that. Um, I am. <laughs> but I just think. I'm saying that about my parents. I'm just thinking um, everything we were exposed to, right? TVs, movies, magazines. Um, and, you know, in, in reading cast too, it's making me realize how that is so ingrained into our everyday being, yeah. right? That, that we're less than. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where I so badly want to fit in with that upper cast of what I see in my, my doll shelf on my bookshelf in the movies I watch and um, the commercials I see. And I think we're moving in the right direction, right. With more um, representation. Um, But we still have a long way to go. Definitely. And so that's why I'm, I'm just trying to, I don't think my parents did that on purpose. Right. I think it's just, it's what we were exposed to. Um, so, and I, I, I always wonder like what, how would it have been if I grew up in a, a, a city or a town that was, had more Filipinos, would I be a different person today? Right. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that's how, like we can't, I realize like you can't just, say things when you, know, you can't just like instruct your kids. You can't just tell your kids things. You actually have to show them, yeah. you know? So I, I realized like to really embrace being Filipino and getting them to embrace that side of them, you have to show that you embrace that yourself, 100%. that you're proud of that yourself. Um, Cause I, you know, like, 
I think I show that around my, you know, around you guys, you know, my Filipino friends that I love and adore, but I don't know that I show that enough with my kids. <laughs> my wife is walking by shaking her head like, <laughs> no, you don't. And, and, you know, and I think there's a lot of me that's critical of the upper caste and, you know, what aren't they doing? But it, I mean, it all comes down to personal responsibility. Like I have to own my love, right? As opposed to like pointing out what I hate. I have to own and appreciate that side of me. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do, uh, do that is, yeah, I got to show it. I got to show it. And I think those examples are so great. And I got to just... I got to cram anything Filipino down my kids' throats. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> there are classes. I remember oh, during the pandemic, um, seeing some friends were signing up for these online um, Tagalog lessons. And I, yeah, I need to get on that for myself. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm so afraid of the, the language getting lost and with me. Like, yeah. like my, you know, my parents spoke and then all of a sudden it's like done, like, well, that's that's one of the things that I learned about, and you know, one of Cedric's books about the Philippines is like there's, you know, all this these amazing, you know, dialects, mm-hmm. and as more people, you know, move to big cities, and you know, these these amazing, beautiful languages that are so descriptive and so full of life are getting lost, yeah. and. You know, and you, you know, you hear that with a lot of indigenous cultures around the world, and it's it's awful. It's 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 sad to think because you, you, it feels like you're losing stories and, and history. Right. Ah, so much responsibility. <laughs> and we even were um, like, what I so badly want to do is um, like just get stories from my aunts yeah. and my mom and. Um, about my grandma, like I don't, so my grandma, my mom's mom was like the glue to our family, like the matriarch, mm. right? Um, and when, ever since she passed, I, you know, it, you, you can definitely feel that loss that she was the glue to everything. And, um, yeah, yeah. like, you know, I don't, I don't see some family members as often as I did when she was alive. And it makes me so sad because I, I, and I also, I love listening to their stories. Like they would sit around the table and just be laughing for hours, telling stories. And I don't want to lose that. And I want to walk around yeah. with like a recorder just so I can, you know, pass these down um, and not lose it. Yeah. So, but, I have yeah. this, this book of, um, I kind of stole it from my mom. I told her I'd give it back. I haven't given it back yet, but you know, it's all these old pictures of her growing up mm-hmm. black and white photos and leading up to, you know, the one time my dad went to the Philippines with my mom to meet, you know, his in-laws. And I was like one at the time. Mm-hmm. And I want to go through every photo and her tell me a story yeah. about every photo. Yeah. I'm There's afraid that. to do it, but <laughs> I, I, I deep down, I know that, there's so much joy to to find there. 
yeah. to mine. Do it. I think that will get you guys closer too. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think we need it. Yeah. So I think moving on oh, yeah. to like, you know, kind of like, I think what you were brought, you know, bringing up about, you know, your Lola being like the glue. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to like bring up like just, you know, either news stories or something that's good about our culture. And so this one time, um, so when we were up north, we we're at Ghirardelli Square, which was a place that um, brings back a lot of memories because San Francisco was a place that my parents would take us to quite a bit. We didn't travel much, but San Francisco was a place that was kind of like, was the place we would go. And so we'd stay close to, you know, the wharf and Ghirardelli Square is there. And we're walking around Ghirardelli Square and we see this store. And it's like, oh, look at, you know, it's called Lola. You know, how cool. And so we even, you know, had Cedric stand in front of it. And we sent a pic, you know, we sent a picture of him in front of the sign, you know, to my mom. And when we went inside there, like we noticed there were a lot of books about the Philippines and, you know, speaking Filipino and, and we're like, wait, what's going on here? You know, and, and, you know, this little, you know, elderly woman, um, just came up to us and, um, (laughs) just, just, uh, just, I don't know, this is TMI, but she had just convinced us like minutes earlier to buy this little book of like sex coupons for like the relationship <laughs> this little old lady um okay. sold sold us on it um but she was like yeah you know like this woman you know um the owners that kind of named this shop over about you know f- um for their lola and so like i just want to re- read what it was about like um established in 2002 this is from yelp my filipino grandmother my lola owned a little store in the Philippines, uh, Tindahan. I'm sure I'm butchering that, but a Tindahan when I was a kid. One of my favorite memories growing up was visiting my Lola at her Tindahan. My family moved to the United States to chase the American dream when I was in kindergarten. So when it was time for us to start our own business in 2002, we already had the perfect name, Lola. Mm, and we just thought it was like this really cute shop like we ended up buying a bunch of stuff from there and with that little bit of um you know filipino cultural identity embedded in there but you know in a in a place that's you know such a an attraction ghirardelli square is an attraction you know in Mm -hmm. san francisco and um i just it's a really cool adorable store and to have that, you know, connection to it, like anybody in, visiting in San Francisco, Lola's the place, you know, so. I'm definitely going to have to bookmark that. I love it. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's a lot of good vibes. I too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And she's, because we were, Alex and I were looking at it, and we're like, oh, look at this. This is funny. This is funny. And then she walks by, and she goes, read the fine print. And I was like, oh, okay. 
And there's all these little details. I was like, oh, Alex and I go, looked at each other. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, just, it was just awesome that this little old lady sold us these sex coupons. Like, <laughs> she's the best. She's the best. It. And that store, that store is, I mean, it's just wonderful for everybody. There's a bunch of cool stuff for kids in there. Um, it was it, just a wonderful little shop. And I think there's like multiple shops in San Francisco. So, Mm -hmm. so what about you? Do you have any Filipino good news or anything you want to give a shout out to? Yes. Okay. So, um, uh, you know, with the pandemic, my two of my cousins had to postpone their weddings. Um, but we just had their weddings, um, a couple weeks ago, back to back. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. And so a ton of family flew out from the Philippines, from the East Coast, and everyone's vaccinated. And I hadn't seen, um, you know, my cousin Revy and my aunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in years, a couple years. And the last time I saw them was Thanksgiving before the pandemic started. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. so it was just so nice to have family around. Um, and we went to Salo Salo. It, have you been oh to yeah! Oh yeah! Is that the is that the place with the big like mural in the back? Yeah, with the Philippine village and mm-hmm. there's like pinikling yes. happening and but yeah. Um, so wait, the what happening? Pinikling. Oh, what is that? Joe, you don't know what pinikling is? I don't. I don't know anything. I only know kamates. <laughs> with the sticks, the bamboo sticks, and then they they dance through it. Uh, Joseph. It's a. Uh, I know. I, I, this is why I'm doing this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to look it up. Okay. I get, will. I, I'm sure you've seen it or heard of it. Um, but anyways, um, my mom is usually the one that orders all the food. And there wasn't that many of us. I don't know. I mean, maybe 20 of us. Okay. But they sell these platters of like, there was one that was just like a fried meat platter. Right, uh-huh. which you're not allowed to eat because of your cholesterol. But yeah, the fried like the that, lech- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eat that tomorrow. By the, the lechon way, lechon and like the um, fried tapa yeah. and like everything's fried. And then they have like the grilled one, so it's all the the barbecue on a stick and um, chicken barbecue on a stick. So that's the grill platter. And then there's like the the seafood platter. So it has the, oh my the god. Fit. So I mean, the food did not stop coming. It was just <laughs> constant. And um, my my uh. You know, my cousin's husband, who's white, was just like, I don't understand. Why Why is there still food coming? And mom's like, no, there's more coming. There's, this is just the appetizer. You know what I mean? But yeah. yeah, just constant food. And it just made me so grateful for the vaccine. You know, so grateful yes. that we can get together as a family. And just I've been craving that for so long. And and um, I think that's when I just I feel most who, myself, most who I am is when I am around family and all this delicious food. And, um, and then, you know, once we finished eating, I thought we were stuffed, but no, my mom ends up ordering dessert too. So then there's the toron, right? The fried banana with, okay. um, with yeah. ubi ice cream. Oh my gosh. Nice. It's so good. Uh-huh. And, um, and then there was the, oh, I don't know how to pronounce. I don't know what it's called. It's the corn ice cream. It's like maiz con hielo. That's what it's called. It's like corn okay. and ice. Um, uh-huh. and then the hollow hollow. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. I really thought we had like no space, but we somehow made more space to eat more dessert. But anyways, that's, 
that was my happy Filipino moment. Um, just being around family and all this food, delicious food. Um, of course, you know, you're not a true Filipino if people still, you don't have leftovers. Everyone had to have, there was a ton yeah. of leftovers. Um, so yeah, we each took home like a full meal for our families for the evening. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, that's, that was my happy. There is no, there is no better news than that. Yeah. It was that so is nice to see family. The best. And I hosted my first gathering here at the house um, for 4th of July um, with family, everyone who was in town, uh-huh. everyone's vaccinated. And um, yeah, I, I hadn't had more than 10 people at once over, you know, I was like following the rules, yeah. you know, the gathering, yeah, yeah, yeah. no more than two families, whatever. Um, yeah. So it was just so nice to just once again, sit around the table and share stories and just laugh. And um, it, it felt like home. And that that's really what, when I, like I said, feel truly myself. I'm just myself. Um, when we're around that table laughing. Well, Rose, I am so glad that you could bring yourself here to this podcast with your, with that lovely story. Um, I hope you'll be back. Um, this was fantastic having you. I think we definitely will have to talk about our experiences in the Philippines. Um, I think there's a lot to dive into there. Yes, I do. Uh, I want Brian to be here for that mm-hmm. because I know he has stories that are very different from mine and I'm going to assume very different from yours yeah, too. Yeah. Um, so I think there'll be a, a nice spectrum, but uh, I think we're going to call it. Yeah. I want to thank all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I, I see you. I hear you, all four or five of you. Alette, thanks for listening. <laughs> you are allowed to listen. Um, and, uh, you know, for those of you who want to uh, find us on Instagram, we're at Flipped America. You can email, you know, us at um, FlippedAmerica at Gmail. And we'll be, we'll be looking out for you. Um, thank you again. Uh, we love you and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.